You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is episode number 24 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. If you like the podcast, remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey everybody, welcome to Living the Dream. This is Rory O'Malley. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I have a really interesting episode this week. I talked to my very good friend, Lindsay Brill, who is an actress who I worked with in high school. We were in lots of plays together, and she was also my prom date to the St. Ignatius High School prom. And... um, (laughs) She's a great person, a a really great actress, great singer. She majored in theater in college at Ohio University, and she uh, went into the business and was auditioning and having a good run of, of, of putting together a life as an actress, but realized she wanted something more and ended up going to nursing school. I'm so proud of her because she's graduating from nursing school and still has a passionate love for theater and Broadway. And so I wanted to talk to her about making that decision to become a nurse and how she got to that decision and how being a performer has helped her and how she has realized that nursing is part of her living her dream. So It was a really great conversation for me. I hope you get something out of it. But first, I'm going to answer some listeners' questions. I went on Twitter and asked people to send me their questions, ask Rory. I also found out that um, there's someone named Rory who's into sports and also told people to ask Rory. So there's a hashtag, ask Rory, and uh, lots of sports questions. I will not have the answers to those questions. Uh, I will refer all of those folks to some other Rory's podcast. <laughs> but uh, for all the uh, the performing and, and theater-related Ask Rory questions, I will do my best to answer those really, really great questions, which I, I was blown away uh, by so many of the wonderful things you had to ask me. So here we go. Caitlin asks, are you more of an off book in the first rehearsal or on book until the last possible second person? It's a great question. I am 
kind of right in between. I don't, I can't remember one time that I've gone into a show where I was completely off book because so many times something's going to change, right? And you don't want to go into the first rehearsal thinking, I already did all the work. Now you guys are all going to have to work around the work that I've done on my own. It's a team sport being on a stage, working with other actors. So you want to approach it as a team. On the other hand, you cannot wait until the last possible second to be off book because you got to live in the world and we don't walk around with pieces of paper in our hand reading lines. You want to get off book as quickly as possible. What I usually do is after a scene is blocked, after I go through a director and the other actors through a scene and have my blocking written down, the next time we go over that scene, I'm, I don't want to have paper in my hand. I just want to be living in that scene. So that's pretty much my rule is that, you know, be as familiar as possible with your lines on that first day of rehearsal. Know what every word is inside and out. But I have that piece of paper in my hand until after that first blocking rehearsal. And then after that, I think it's pretty much expected to not have a piece of paper in your hand. And call for line if you need it. Danielle Wild asks, do you have any pre-show rituals for when you're in a theater for a show? Well, Danielle, I always enter my dressing room and get dressed as quickly as possible and then do a warm-up. I always do a vocal warm-up, especially for Hamilton since I have to sing so much as the king. Um, as the king, I step out onto the stage by myself and I'm singing at the top of my range within seconds. So it's important to be as warmed up as I possibly can be. Here's a question from Gabe Moidoza. He says, what advice do you have for LGBTQ young adults, I'm 22, who want to be more active in their community like Broadway Impact. Uh, Broadway Impact was the organization I started with Gavin Creel and Jenny Canellos to organize around the issue of marriage equality. Uh, my advice is, is just do it. Just, just the Nike slogan. Just do it. Just get involved if you want to be more active in your community. Talk to your friends. Talk to people who you trust and who have that same kind of enthusiasm to do something, don't wait to know enough. Because I will tell you from experience that you'll never know enough. You you have to learn on the job. So uh, that's true with everything. You know, don't wait for the, the right amount of experience to get something started. Don't wait to be an expert podcaster to start a podcast. As you all well know, I am no expert. I'm no professional. I am literally sitting at my kitchen table talking into a microphone like a crazy person. But if you just get started, take that first step, you will be amazed by the results. Um, so if you want to be more active in your community, like I was with Broadway Impact, talk to your friends in the community. Talk to people and come up with a plan of how you can be, how how it's best for you to do it. Because the way that it's best for Gabe is different than it is for Rory. The, the way that you will be able to participate in your community is unique to you and will give a unique 
purpose to the LGBTQ community. So good luck to you, Gabe. And I hope that you do everything you can to fight for for your rights and for everyone's rights because that has been the most absolutely profound experience of my life is being a part of Broadway Impact. Alex Collig asks, if you didn't pursue theater professionally, what would you have done as a career? Also, dogs, cats, or both? <laughs> uh, well, Alex, I'm pretty certain that if I wasn't being an actor, I would definitely be a teacher. I love being in a room with people engaged in learning. And really, when you're performing on a stage, it's not so different from performing in front of a class and, and teaching and telling a story. So much of what teachers do is telling a story, giving facts, and making them interesting and trying to engage with an audience. I think they are absolutely the most vital part of our society. I think teachers are amazing. I also think it would be the most challenging job, way more challenging than what I do. But I have a huge amount of respect for them, and I think that it, their job must be the most gratifying job on earth. Um, I've had dogs and cats, and I love both. Christian Lopez asks, how often do you stage door while on tour? Well, Christian, I think I have stage doored almost every single night. I know I didn't opening night. I know I didn't when I had to catch a flight to get to Los Angeles to see my husband. But for the most part, um, I've been af outside after every show. And it's been such a lovely experience here in San Francisco getting to meet the people of this city. It's different in New York just because it's always great, but they're from all over the world. And that's a whole other thing. But getting to walk out the stage door at San Francisco is getting out and meeting people from the city. And it's just made the experience of living in San Francisco that much more enjoyable to actually meet the people and to meet the theater fans of San Francisco. So yeah, I've, I try not to miss that. It's as much of a thrill for me as it is for the people who are standing outside to meet the cast. Here's a question from Annie Jacobson. With no showcase opportunity, how do you recommend finding or getting an agent? Annie, it's so tricky. It is not easy getting an agent. I had a showcase opportunity and I did not get one. It is, uh, it's a different story for every person when they're with an agent. And no one's going to like this answer, but the best way to get an agent is to get work. And that's hard because <laughs> which came first, the chicken or the egg? How do you get work if you don't have an agent? Well, I would say to focus, if you don't have an agent, to focus on your relationship with casting directors. Casting directors are the ones who really hold the keys to the kingdom, to the jobs. They are the ones that an agent is going to be introducing you to. So don't focus so much on getting an agent. Focus on getting into rooms and in front of casting directors that you can audition for. And even if you don't get that job, you get the respect of that casting director. You send them a thank you note after you're done with that audition saying thank you for, for calling me in. Thank you for seeing me at this open call. 
make a relationship with them and that's how you're going to get the work. Agents show up once they see that you're actually making some headway on your own. And they're a wonderful tool. And if you find the right agent, it's a, it's a really great relationship. But I'll always credit so much of my success in the business with Carrie Gardner, the casting director for the Book of Mormon, and not just because she cast me in the Book of Mormon, but because I auditioned for her many times before and didn't get the part uh, for many other projects. And I was really proud of the auditions that I went in for her. And I didn't have an agent at the time. And she remembered me when it came time to find a lineup of a dozen really white boys to be in the Book of Mormon reading that she was putting together. And I asked her once, I said, why did you call me? And she said, you know, well, you had so many great auditions for us. And I said, yeah, I, 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 was, I, I knew that I had gone in and gotten really close on a few things. I said, but there's got to be something else. And she said, well, also because you had red hair, <laughs> which, you know, is debatable. Some people say I do have red hair. Some say I don't. I think it depends on the lighting. But thank God my headshot or the lighting in the last audition I went to that she had me in had me with red hair. Um, so you never know, uh, because I was able to go into readings for Book of Mormon, she actually connected me with a bunch of different agents to meet with. And she's the reason that I was able to start working with an agent. Um, it really is just about the work first. Don't worry about an agent. Talk to casting directors, find the right places to showcase yourself in work. I've got some rapid fire questions from Honk Alley here. What are my favorite flavor of the following items? Jelly bean, red, skittle, lime green, gum, winter fresh, uh, potato chip, ruffles, ruffles have ridges, hard candy. Ooh, I don't know why, but Werther's original came to mind. I guess because I'm a grandma. And Popsicle. Wow. Um, I'm going to have to go with the uh, Sherbert push-up Popsicles. You remember those? They were in like the toilet paper roll. <laughs> and you pushed them up through the toilet paper roll. I don't know if those are really toilet paper rolls, but you got to admit, that's really what they look like. All right. Very appetizing. Sophia Rosenbaum asks, would you ever consider being in a movie musical given the opportunity? Well, Sophia, I'm going to blow your mind. I was in a movie musical, a movie called Dreamgirls. Now, this is kind of like my secret trivia that people don't know about, but I was actually in the movie Dreamgirls. I played the character of Dave, of Dave and the Sweethearts. I was the villain Basically, I was a Pat Boone type character, which most of you probably don't know the reference, but I basically was the lame guy who stole Cadillac car from Eddie Murphy and the Dream Girls and turned it into a real white bread, boring song, which, you know, is basically my specialty. 
my good friend from college, Delia Hauser, who's a brilliant, wonderful designer, asks, a long run always sounded like the acting equivalent to a cubicle, probably why I picked design. <laughs> How do you keep it fresh? Well, Delia, thanks for asking. Um, it's tough. I remember hitting a wall around show number 407 during Book of Mormon, my first time doing a long run, and I passed by Brad Oscar on the street. Brad Oscar, Tony nominee, wonderful guy. Uh, I knew he had done the producers for a long, long period of time. And I asked him, I said, I'm hitting the wall. I don't know my lines anymore. I'm starting to forget them. And he told me just to wait it out, that it's totally normal, that he goes over his lines before he goes on stage, and that it will pass. And he was right. I started just going over my lines before every entrance, and it kind of renewed my vision of what the scene was. And in fact, I think that kind of like forgetting my lines was my body's way of making it new again and kind of waking me up to be present. Uh, it was annoying at the time because after you've done something so many times, you don't want to have to think about it. But when you're acting on a stage, you need to be present. You need to be thinking about it. It needs to be a little scary and dangerous. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing it for? So, uh, it's amazing how your body just kind of responds naturally to the monotony. I always liken it to Groundhog Day <laughs> coming to you on a Broadway stage. Um, but it is. It's, it's, it's like Groundhog Day doing a show over and over and over again. And at a certain point, you start to accept it and you start to embrace it. And just like in the movie when Bill Murray starts learning how to play piano, and he just starts showing up to his quote unquote first lesson at to this teacher. And, you know, he starts making the most of his situation. You just start to embrace the fact that you have a set schedule, not just of showing up to the theater, but every single minute of your day at the theater is mapped out when you walk down this hallway. And instead of letting it drive you crazy, you start to let it give you focus and enjoyment and tradition and you do weird things with your friends backstage have little rituals so you have to kind of embrace it make fun of the fact that you're doing something over and over again and hopefully not go insane this question is from sheila burke is there any specific person in your life who supported your dream that you credit with your success Great question, and there's obviously a lot of people, including my mother and my husband, continues to support me, and I I give so much credit to them and my entire family, many of my friends, but I would have to say that so many of my teachers gave me all the tools and resources that I needed to be a professional in this industry, and one of them was uh, Lynette Gutman, who was a voice teacher of mine who unfortunately passed away in 2011. And she is uh, 
a mentor, had been a mentor to so many people in the Cleveland area who were pursuing theater in, in grade school and high school. And she gave me a lot of confidence and and taught me how to present myself in an audition and helped me convince my mom to take me to New York for the first time. And uh, she was just such a wonderful bright light to so many people. And I'm so grateful that in 2011, when Book of Mormon opened, she came during previews and we got to go out to dinner and she got to see me perform as Elder McKinley. And uh, it was a few months after that, that she found out she was sick and very quickly passed away. And to know that I was able to perform that part for her and that I was able to thank her for all that she did for me is probably one of the most grateful moments of the Book of Mormon when there are, you know, countless, but that is really, truly up there that I was able to give that gift back to her before we lost her. Um, I am really grateful for her and so many of my teachers who gave me all of themselves. They work so hard for so little. Um, remember that if you are learning from a teacher, whether it's, you know, in the performing arts or any arts or just, you know, your history teacher is giving so much of themselves, make sure just to thank them because you don't know if you'll always have that chance to say thank you to them. And it's such a gift they're giving to you. Uh, getting to say thank you will be, be something that you'll remember that you got to do and, and truly appreciate. So do it. Muriel 11 asks a very interesting question. What trend are you most excited and or concerned about for Broadway's future, like broadcasting more popular off-Broadway shows, etc.? Very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm excited about Broadway's future in pretty much every single way. I think that the value of live has become so important to entertainment. I think that's, you know, with, with DVR and with social media and streaming things, there's a lot more value on whatever event is live because it's fun to watch something collectively like a sporting event or an awards show that you have to watch live and you can tweet about with people collectively so you know you're experiencing it, experiencing it with the rest of the world. And that is the most valuable part of Broadway. And so I think there will be more and more emphasis on live theater. That's why you're seeing Broadway performances being put on TV and being broadcast. Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing thing. I love that there's a new art form, a new medium of hairspray being put on television, of of Sound of Music, of all of these these musicals being put on TV, of of Grease, you know, of of it's it's awesome. 
And it's, it is its own new medium because doing live television is extremely difficult. Doing a musical is extremely difficult. You put those two things together, I can't even imagine the logistical hell that that must be. And I will say this, I think that the Broadway community has been extremely critical of these risks that have been taken on doing these shows and putting them on TV. And while I think it's always great to strive for excellence, and we always do in the Broadway community, I can't tell you how grateful I am to Carrie Underwood. I know that people gave her such a hard time for her performance as Maria in The Sound of Music, and I, I loved it. Who doesn't want to once in their lifetime hear Maria belted from beginning to end. It was amazing. That being said, I understand that there's a lot of people who didn't enjoy that show on television, something that they felt was sacred. However, it was the first time anything like that had been done in decades. And there's a reason for that. It's very, very hard extremely difficult. I And I say that and I have no idea how they did it. And I think that Miss Underwood did a great service to the theater community by jumpstarting, signing on the dotted line to be a part of that and making it a huge rating success. And I think that every single Every single musical that has been on TV since then has been a huge leap forward. Every live musical has been, has learned from the last one. And I just so enjoy getting to gather around a TV, have a party, and watch a live musical on TV. Um, so I don't know if that's exactly answering your question, Muriel. Uh, that's where it went for me because I do think that that is something that is going to be interesting in the future of Broadway, of, of live broadcasts, of, of streaming things into movie theaters. What does that mean for the art form? I, I think that it can be a wonderful way to bring more people into theater, to bring more people into, into live performance. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing because it will inspire them to perform live. So yeah, I think having access is is really great. And it's so expensive to go to a Broadway show. So any ways we can find to give more access, especially to younger people, is is huge. Thank you all so much for the amazing questions. Um, there are so many more. I will be doing this again for sure, and asking for your questions. Um, I hope you enjoy my interview now, my conversation with Lindsay Brill, my high school prom date. Uh, she's an amazing person. I'm so excited for her as she becomes a nurse, as she graduates this month after going through a really, really rigorous, uh, demanding nursing program. I hope you get something out of it. Hopefully, that your dream isn't always what you planned for it to be. But 
I think for a lot of us, starting off in theater is just a really great benefit and something that helps us no matter where we end up in whatever form our dream takes. So here's Lindsay. Uh, thank you so much for for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I'm I... like, what could you I, want to talk to me about? <laughs> I want to talk to you because I feel like... Well, uh, one, I'm just so damn proud of you. I know how difficult getting through nursing school... I, well, I don't know, but I, <laughs> I, I have an idea because of seeing you and other people go through nursing is like mind-blowing to me, the, the amount of work that it takes to go through that program. And, uh, but, but knowing you and knowing how, you know, how talented of an actress you are and how, um, you went to school for theater and how your journey has brought you to this fulfilling, wonderful moment. I think having a conversation about how living your dream of being a performer, how it's put you into this new role as a performer in healthcare of, of, you know, I'm sure that the tools that you learned as an actress have really served you yes. in this new journey. That's so. true. And people want to know about that all the time. Like when I'm um, telling people that my first degree was in acting, right. um, they're always like, wow, that's so different. That it must be such a change. And I always try to explain like it's not as different as you would think, really. I mean, yeah. you learned – a lot of the same skills. I mean, you learn about teamwork and about, pa- you know, working with passion and um, a lot of emotional work and, you know, um, things like that. So it all really actually brings a lot to the field of nursing. And I always say, okay, this is my cheesy quote, right? So I'm always like, I'm bringing the art to the art of nursing, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> you put the art in nursing. Exactly. We fit in those letters somewhere. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons why I also want to talk to you is because, uh, first of all, we were you were my prom date. And it's true. So we were the best damn you dancers. You were the best date I ever had for prom. I went to a few really? proms, but I never yeah. had so much fun as that day. You know why? Because I went to a few <laughs> proms too, and I think that that was like the last prom that probably either of us had to go to. <laughs> I think and we were just like, you know what? Let's just woo! have the best time ever. Yeah, we just danced the whole night away. I yeah. just remember, like, I don't think we ever stopped. And no. Uh, yeah. No, we, so we definitely had a blast. It was great. And I'm so glad that you went with me. I really Aww, appreciate it. I'm really glad that, I, that, you, that you asked me. Yeah. Well, I, knew we would have a bl- <laughs> I knew we would have a blast. I knew it was going to be fun and we would, you know show up everyone on that dance floor. I have um, a lot of fun, it's true. Yeah, and we did and we did high school plays together. We did yes. what what we did guys and dolls. You City were City of Angels. City of Angels. Um a few cabaret reviews. That's right. I think at Beth we, Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, we you did the uh you went to Avon Lake High mm-hmm. School I and did. I went to St. Ignatius High School, the all boys yes. school and we needed yes. we needed young women talented young women to come do our shows because we didn't have any at the school and you came to do a a couple of the shows and you were amazing your Adelaide is legendary I'm I think I peaked in high school right (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, I definitely did. The fact that my high school musical um, was is still my claim to fame is is you know some might say sad. It is others. No, 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 it was so damn good. It was just amazing. (sighs) Thank you. And you know, like we we are lucky to have come from a community uh, that had a really wonderful, thriving art scene and, and theater community and high school theater. I mean, absolutely. We, it's how we survived, right? Yeah. I mean, Actually, I would like to tell the story to your listeners of the first time I met you. Oh, and, God. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you even know this story, but this is, this is my memory. So um, I actually moved to a new high school in 10th grade. And so I didn't have like a lot of friends at the time. And I had made friends with Emily. Do you remember Emily from Rocky River? Yeah, I had made friends with Emily doing uh, uh, Oliver over the summer. Do you mean Emily Schnur? Oh, no, no, no. Emily. um, Well, she's married now. So I don't, I can't remember her last name. Was it Weaver? I can't remember her last name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so I had made friends with her doing like a community theater show over the summer. And so I came to her house to watch a movie and you and all of your like theater friends were there. And we watched Seven with Brad Pitt and, you know, like the little, like the scary, creepy movie. Yes, David Fincher. Yeah. And I walked into this room. I'm a little shy, believe it or not. Um, uh-huh. And so I walked into this room full of people I don't know. And I, I just like, I was really like, okay, I need to make a good impression on these people. And you guys were all like best friends, right? So you had right. a lot of banter going on. And I'm just sitting there in the corner kind of. And then um, the part in the movie where uh, the the gluttony guy, like he eats himself to death. And yeah. um, I remember there was like a break in a silence in the movie. And I just said, man, forget Brad Pitt. And you started cracking up. And I think it was like you, you just decided in that moment that we were OK to be friends. And uh, so we were friends after that. And I was like, OK, cool. I made everyone in the room laugh. And then, and then I didn't have to feel so lonely at my new school anymore because I had all my theater friends, which was oh really God. cool. Oh, my God. I love that story. <laughs> and I love that the creepiest movie of all time <laughs> was our comedy that brought us together. Yeah. I think it was really like the head in the box at the end that did it, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. That has brought so many people together, that it, scene. It's really – it's a romantic movie. <laughs> Well, we had we had a wonderful group of friends uh, in Cleveland in, in in high school theater, and you know I always say like I don't know what I would have done without them. I would I don't know what I would have done without you and and so many of those people who gave me like a sense of belonging, and um and so many of us have gone on to do wonderful, amazing things, and it's not all in theater, you know. Exactly. It's and 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 I. So many times when I'm talking to young people who want to become actors, I'm like, get into theater and drama because it will make you a happier person because Mm -hmm. it will make it will give you skills of communication and friendship and and open your world up in a way that nothing else can. Yes. Um, So you uh, you were in. In school, you went. You went to college Ohio, for theater. Uh-huh. I went to Ohio University. I majored in acting, um, and I graduated a long time ago. And um, <laughs> <laughs> same as me. And then, um, actually, my last semester of 
school, I went to New York City and I did the Trinity La Mama program as well. So I was studying like experimental theater and nonprofit arts administration, performance art, that kind of stuff. And I really loved that. That was like very different, you know? Um, And then I moved to LA to be an actor in film and TV, something I had never even like done before or, um, and uh, I just like, I, I didn't realize how different that would be, yeah. um, but I I was on a mission, so I moved out here, and um, I was doing, like, I did some things. I did some, like, I did a lot of background work. I did some, you know, commercial work, independent films, um, some just, like, featured roles on TV shows, that kind of yeah. stuff, um, but I just never felt quite, like, happy what I was doing. Sure. Um and this is what I always like tell people. This is this is kind of like my story. So every audition I would go on, it would be like the same character, right? It would be a an adjective and then the word redhead. So it would be like the sexy redhead, the 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 large breasted redhead, <laughs> the nerdy redhead. I get that one all the time. You know what I mean? No, no, yeah. I mean it was just it was just ironic to me. And and when I would go on the auditions, it was the same thing. Like you would walk in the room and you'd be like, I'm so perfect for this part, you know? And then yeah. you'd get there and you'd be in this room full of people that look just like you or or look just as perfect for the part as you do. And yeah. um, I got, I found it very uh, difficult. And sure. I think some people are really designed to have that like inner uh, strength to get through the acting business of auditioning and putting yourself out there all the time. Um, But I felt it was making me like very insecure. And um, I was like really hard on myself after a few years of doing it. And I just I felt like I was a little bit depressed. And and I was also going through like a challenging time in life. Like I lost my car. I didn't have like the the material. Which is your your legs in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was just I just gave myself permission to take a break for a little bit. And I said, like, okay, I don't have the means to audition right now. So why don't I just say I'm not going to audition for a while, you know? Right. And just just focus on, like, my day job and saving money and, and just feeling, like, good again. Because I right. was just feeling a little lost. So um, that was actually a really good time for me because I, I just gave myself permission to – to stop. And then, uh, I talked to my dad one day and I was just telling him, like, I just feel a little lost. Like I, I have always wanted to be an actress and it was like the only thing I wanted to do. And I felt like if I'm not doing that, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I, yeah, who am I? I had never considered that before considered doing anything else. And, um, this might sound like a little bit self-important, but I had always felt like I wanted to do something big like I was like destined to do something big and um I wanted to be passionate about what I was doing I didn't want to just have a job you know and um and so my dad gave me really good advice and he said first of all like stop your pity party for yourself and um you should just 
do some volunteer work because um, when you are busy helping others who are less fortunate than yourself, you really have a hard time feeling so bad for yourself anymore, you know? So best advice I ever got, right? So I started um, volunteering at a domestic violence shelter and I really loved it. It just like really gave me purpose and Although I didn't really know, you know, what that meant for my career, I knew that I really enjoyed the the feeling of directly helping people. And um, so for a while, I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll I'll do like art therapy because I was working with the kids at the shelter, and that's it's similar to the kind of work that you know an art therapist would do. Obviously, I'm not a trained therapist at all, but. You know, just working with kids and helping them express their feelings right. through healthy play and things like that. We are um, experts in expressing feelings. Exactly. Um, and empowerment. You know, I really loved that we were about empowering people to, you know, put words to their feelings and things like that. So, um But I looked into art therapy and I was like, wow, this is a very limited job. You know, like there's maybe two job listings for art therapy in the country right now. And uh, it's a kind of an expensive major. You have to go to like a private school. So I just eliminated it and thought, okay, I'm going to still think about it a little more. And then I saw a documentary one day that just changed my life. And it's called The Business of Being Born. And it was about birth in America, like the birth system. And I can't explain it, but I just saw it. And I just, I felt like this like spiritual awakening. It sounds a little cheesy, but I was like, wow, I didn't know anything about it until I saw this movie. But I just thought, wow, this is like such an area to empower women. Like if I don't know anything about it, there's a million people out there that don't know anything about it. Like we have options when we have babies and um, the health system isn't always necessarily like designed to give people the best experience. And it was just, it seemed like an opportunity where you could help women, which was something I was very, I was very passionate about. So I just, everyone that came to my house for like a month, I was like, have you seen this movie? Let's watch (sighs) it. Let's watch it. And I watched it like a hundred times and then I decided, okay, like this is something new that I'm passionate about and then I want to look into what it would take to be a midwife. And that was kind of the start to my journey to nursing schools. Right. A long journey. So, but you know, there's, there's a part, there's, um, Every time you start going down those paths, you look into it and then you see, oh, wow, this is a lot of work. This Mm -hmm. is a lot of a commitment. This isn't just, you know, oh, I could take a few classes and become a nurse. This is absolutely years of my life and then getting to the job, which you've which you've done. You've 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 graduated now. Almost, but, almost. I almost. graduate in like in like two weeks. Yay. Okay, okay. But you know, you, you put in the work. Yes. So if what what is the bridge of of you know say you know like if I'm going into this profession, if I'm going into this school, I'm certainly not going to have time for auditions. I'm not going to you know what yeah. what was your process of 
letting go of of uh, going to auditions and yeah. was it already was by the time you were like applying for schools were you just like I don't even care this is exactly what I want to do or what how were your feel what were your feelings yeah, at that time it was a long journey actually because um I wasn't even applying to schools right away I had to do a lot of prerequisites sure. because for being an arts major right. I hadn't done science or math in years and so um, I did it very slowly. I went to like the local community college and was just taking sort of like one, maybe two classes a semester, um, worried that I wouldn't even be able to pass the classes at first. Like I was like, oh my gosh, you know, can I take statistics and pass? Right. Like, let's see. Chemistry. Like that's <laughs> Chemistry. my, my oh, nightmare. Gosh. It was the worst. After, I know. after getting a theater degree, like going into a chemistry class, I yeah. can't even imagine. And, you know, in 10th grade, I had a teacher that when I moved schools, I had a teacher that at parent teacher conferences told my dad that I was proving to the world that girls can't do science. And so I was scared of science and math. And even when I think I have the only parents in the world that when I told them I was transitioning from an arts career to like a science career, they were like, why would you do that? Like, right. you should, you're terrible at math and science. You, you're an artist, like be a famous movie star. Don't, don't be a nurse. You know, it was hilarious. It's hilarious. I think I still like disappointed my dad in <laughs> for, for not being a movie star. But, um, uh, yeah, so it was a slow process. So I think in the beginning I wasn't thinking like I'm completely committed yet. So I had like an out if I decided, I don't like this at any point. I, I could always just quit and, and be an actress again if I wanted right. to. But Just dipping um, your toes in the water of chemistry and statistics and right. seeing how that feels. Yeah. And so I, um, I, I did that for, I think it took me, it was probably two years, two years of just slowly taking like one or two classes at a time before I was even... Um, finished with those prereqs. And by then I knew that I was committed to what I was doing. Yeah. I was in it to win it. And I think I've always like told myself, I think I still say this sometimes like, Oh, if I end up being a nurse and I hate it, like, well now just think what a great actress I would be on like Grey's Anatomy or something like I I would really know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I still give myself that out even though I know that I'm like completely committed to what I'm doing now. Right. Um, And I think uh, I get to use a lot of the same skills. Like I said, I mean, I think it really is a great transition and I'm directly satisfied by what I do every day. I I see myself making a difference in people's lives and that's like really rewarding. Although when I go to see like a Broadway show or something, I do have that twinge sometimes of like, oh, it would feel so good to be up there. I mean, yeah. I definitely still have that love, but I love being able to enjoy it as an audience member just as much. Yeah. So Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you say that because like I can still go to a Broadway show and feel that <laughs> twinge, you know, like it's not like like when you go and you see something that's amazing, mm-hmm. all you want to do is jump up on that stage. It's true. That, that never goes away. It doesn't go away even <laughs> when I'm doing another show eight times a week. Like yeah. you just – when you love something, of course you want to like literally be in it and experience it fully. But – um <laughs> It's also 
so wonderful to get to go and just enjoy it. Yeah. And not have it be this, this thing that also is your sadness. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like yeah. I, we, I, uh, you know, when you came to see Hamilton, mm-hmm. we went out to dinner afterwards. Which was awesome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you came to New York and we got to go out to dinner afterwards and we kind of were talking back and forth. And I was, you know, so interested to know how school was going. And mm-hmm. and you were like wanting to know everything about Hamilton and saying, like, yeah. oh, my God, it must be so amazing. And I was like, well, you know, it's just a job. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's just like any other job. And, you know, and I remember you said to me, you sound down. I know. I felt <laughs> and I, I, no, you shouldn't have felt bad. But I, I, it really like I knew that what I was trying to say to you was what you are doing is so much more amazing than me doing the same thing eight times a week, which is and, and also that the account, the kind of fulfillment that you will get performing as Nurse Lindsay <laughs> and the kind of like uh, appreciation that you will have from your audience of, of patients is if n- it's certainly equal to the amount of, of appreciation that I'm going to be getting from an audience, but it's going to be way, way more satisfying. And, 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 and like, I think that because I'm getting to do something that as kids we loved so yes, much, it yes. from the outside looks like, oh, wow. And part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to have a conversation that's a little bit more reality-based, that it's not all sunshine, rainbows, and Hamilton stage door. <laughs> it, it, you know, there's a lot of uh, difficult parts to it. Yeah. And I think I was overselling the difficult parts to it at dinner to you. (laughs) No, no. It's good, though. It is like it's, you know, it's a good reality check to hear your perspective, too, because it reminds me why I transitioned out of it as well. You really have to have a good inner strength to survive in the business of acting um, because you're not always getting rewarded the way right. that it's not the same as like when you're doing high school theater and you have you're with your friends all the time right. and and you do these shows and and people clap for you and and it's just that's what it's about it's like doing the show right. whereas like the business it feels like it's so rare that you get to do the show so much of the job is is going on the auditions and trying to sell yourself to people all the time and and right. juggling your day job with your auditions and your, you know, and it was, it was challenging for me for sure. Yeah. Um, maintaining well, and, the same energy despite all of that was really hard. And, and not having control. And, mm-hmm. and when you're somebody who is driven and proactive like you are, I think that's one of the hardest parts of, of being in the acting business is that you literally are just waiting waiting, waiting. And there's very, it's very difficult to find tangible things that you can do to be proactive, to get somewhere. Whereas if you want to help another human being who is sick as a nurse, you can show up to classes and get your work done. You, there's a ladder to be climbed and there Mm -hmm. isn't that ladder in, in the acting business. Yeah. It was just, that's the hardest part is like, I'm willing, I want to do the work. Where's the damn ladder. I want to climb it. 
And I and always that's joke hard. about how um, at school, like I really love school right now. Like I right. love like taking a test or, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes I'm kind of a nerd. Like I really love school, but I think it's because coming out of acting, you know, just having that very definitive, like if I study for this, I can take this test and I can get a good grade. Like there, it's what you're saying, right? Like there's, right. there's a formula for success. Yeah. You know? And so I think I was really needing to get that control back in my life again. Like right. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So you've said we've, we've kind of talked about how you think that your skills as an actress mm-hmm. are something you can apply in nursing. What are Definitely. some specific skills? Like you feel like, like I'm, I would, I'm sure that just being able to communicate Actually, with another yeah. human being is... Y- Yeah, yeah, I was going to say communication is probably the hugest aspect of it. Um, When you're in nursing school, you do at least like three or four group presentations a semester. And so so that means I've done like 20 to 25 (laughs) group presentations since starting school. I'm actually working on one right now. I, I'm graduating in two weeks and I still have a group presentation due next nice. week. So um, being able to work, like I'm saying, like working together as a team. And the reason we do five a semester in nursing school is because then when you graduate and you get your job as a nurse, you're working with doctors, respiratory therapists, uh, case managers, you know, all these different interdisciplinary um team members and so you need to know how to work together communicate well um got to be able to talk with the rest of the creative team exactly the ensemble sound the, lighting the lighting yeah exactly it's that to me is so similar you know yeah. um and also just being able to communicate with your patients as well um right. you're their advocate and you're also their teacher right so you're learning how to um be at the bedside and, and speak on their behalf to the other team members, but right. also teach them how to speak for themselves, how to, you know, make decisions. Um, yeah. You teach them their options so that they can make their own educated decisions. Right. Um, so I think that all I learned a lot about that from acting. Um, I think also now that I've learned more about the connections between like um, public health, public policy and healthcare, I'm very interested in those connections. I just went to DC in March and represented my school at, at a health policy summit. I got to go to wow. Capitol Hill and speak with our representatives about um, advocating for like laws that benefit the profession of nursing. And um, I can see myself really doing that in the future. Like, because I have this acting background, I'd really love to be a you know a representative of the profession and maybe like a like a liaison for radio shows or tv shows you know speaking on behalf of the things that are important for nurses right. and patients yeah right that's amazing um and i i think one of the major things that it, it would bring to you to your nursing career as an actress is just empathy of the fact Absolutely. that that you know what we do is try to understand people try to understand characters and literally put ourselves in their shoes. Yeah. So to have 
to have done that and to have that as something that you did as an art form and then meet people who are in need and yes. need you and you're the one who's there to help them. I can it, only imagine how helpful that is. Yeah. It makes you a very specific kind of nurse. Um, what's so interesting about my program is everyone in my program is coming for a second degree. So we're all coming from different backgrounds. And I think that makes our program really exciting because every, um, everyone has something unique that they bring to the nursing profession. Whereas say I was 18 and going to nursing school, you know, that's a totally different experience. Right. And so, um, while some people were biochemistry majors and they're really good at, at, lab values and, you know, math, like med math calculations, you know, um, I learned that from them and then they learn from me all of that bedside stuff. Like you're saying, I mean, every nurse that I have worked with during school has commented on my compassion. They're always like, she's going to be the most compassionate nurse. And, and, uh, sometimes, sometimes I want to spend a little too much time in the room because, right. you know, as a nurse, you are busy and you have a lot of things to do beside, unfortunately, I would love to spend all day talking to people, you know, yeah. but, um, you have a lot of other things to do. So sometimes it's challenging to, to focus a little more on those other skills and tasks that are required. Sure. But, um, but at the end of the day, I think that's what patients remember, you know, they know you're busy, but they don't remember, you know, all the conversations that you had with the doctor on their behalf or the medications that you got to them on time or this or that. They remember, you know, she sat with me and she talked to me when I was scared or she held my hand before the procedure. And so I'm hoping like that's the kind of nurse that I will be to people. And a lot, a lot of that I attribute, yes, to that, emotional access that I have because of my acting training, for sure. Well, I have no doubt that you're going to be the best nurse ever of all time. And (laughs) your patients are so lucky because they are going to have not just a compassionate nurse, they're going to have an amazing singer. And so you should just sing to them. I do sing to people. You know, (laughs) did you know I do sing to people like when I'm putting in an IV or something and they're nervous, I'm just like, singing like part of your world from the little mermaid or, oh or things like that like <laughs> and it helps it does help yeah well i'm i'm so honored that you would take time to uh talk with me about this and be be open to having this conversation because i really think it's going to be important to a lot of people who listen to my podcast and i'm Aww. so impressed proud and inspired by you and you know all of our friends who we grew up with they're all so proud of you. So Aww. congratulations. Well, I am so proud of you and I'm so honored that you would ask. And I hope that it does help even one person out there to hear this conversation. And if if the, if anyone wants to talk more about it, I'm open. So All right. Okay. I will send them all your way, Lindsay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> if, you, if you have enough patience to talk to you now, you're going to have like hundreds <laughs> of people who love Broadway. Um, thank you so much for talking no, with me. No, thank you so much. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.